That's uh, an interesting tactic. I saw the Peter check mm-hmm. pleading with people to be like, look, we're trying to deal with it, but this isn't this isn't helping. <laughs> but, but right now, we actually need to go play a game. <laughs> right. Right. Like, <sighs> this isn't us. This is, we get your anger with other people, but don't take it out on us because we're not happy either. <laughs> right. Really. For real. It's not the, it's not the so. player's fault at all. This is Red Flags and Red Cards, a podcast about racing, soccer, and everything in between. What's up, everyone? Happy Wednesday. When this comes out, it'll be my anniversary. Lou and I will be celebrating <laughs> nine years, so that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Has it really been nine years, I man? Know. I know. Time is flying. I know. Get ready for the 10-year. We're having a huge party. You're invited. Awesome sauce. Uh, <laughs> Are we going to reenact our uh, throwdown? Dude, we should. I got to <laughs> I gotta call Tommy and, and get up and get him here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll to- I'll probably have some other guys join us. That would be a party. <laughs> yeah, Chicago's not too far from... Nashville. Is that where he is right now? Yep. Awesome. Wow, Chicago. Mm. Oh, yeah, he's only like six out. Yeah, well, it's been on the day. Six. Yeah, actually, I think his brother's in Nashville. Oh, for real? David? Yeah. Is it David? Uh, one of them. I think, yeah, I think David. Is that the one we uh, met up at the zoo? Dave, yeah, we met we met up with Dave at the zoo. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it might be him. It's either him or, or his other brother. Okay. That feels like an obvious statement, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> well, we have tons to talk about. Talk about stutter. Talk about today. We got NASCAR F one. I wish we could talk about IndyCar, but I couldn't watch it. Uh, unless you watched, it. did you watch IndyCar? I, I watched clips of it, bits of it here and there. Um, I mean, it was uh, pretty impressive for Palau uh, to get his first win after I don't believe he had maybe one podium finish last year, and really did a excellent job with that race kind of held him up i turned turned it over at the end when uh um whoever finished second had a good had some opportunities to close in on them had plenty of push to pass time but couldn't really get within a second of them so it was a, a pretty entertaining ending from what i could tell the big story obviously was jimmy johnson and he uh he avoided the first wreck on the first lap and avoided the second wrap wreck spun himself at one point finished three laps down uh and was just you know just trying to learn it so that was kind of the biggest storyline for me of the race and didn't get to watch really much of it because i was at a uh, baby shower for the first part of all the racing and then i got home during the second stage of the cup race and and focused on that a bit more than i did on the indy car race gotcha gotcha i needed to just go ahead i heard about the pile up on the first there's like 12 cars or something like that yeah it was a it was a pretty big pretty big wreck okay so took well, out a new garden and a few others mm. uh, and opened the door for uh it's like a talladega race though. right <laughs> <laughs> all the main players would crash out early and then all the other mid-pack guys have a chance yeah. to win i mean scott dixon still finished third he is, well, you know, he on three on three wheels. Yeah, they've raced that Skip Barber eleven times, and he has finished in the top ten in all of those races. He has finished second six times and third three times. He's yet to win there though, so wow. that's a uh, you know he's already off to a good start for his I don't know four hundredth championship or whatever. Yeah, it is. something like that, something <laughs> around that. Uh, but first off, we'll talk about NASCAR real quick. Really, um, the quote action track. I don't. I, I don't even know if it's called that anymore. It shouldn't be called. Richmond should not be called the Action Track anymore, unfortunately. Um, but we had two cool winners. You know, we had John Hunter win the truck race, and we had uh, <clears throat> Alex Bowman win the Cup race after we're leading a grand total of eleven laps. <laughs> uh, what's your thoughts on that? On the Bowman. Uh, I mean, good for him. He was, he had a, a, that pit road issue, but throughout the race from what I could, what I watched, he was consistently one of the the three fastest cars, three or four fastest cars all race and kind of had put himself in that position. You know, he, he driven through the field to get up to third place. Uh, he had a quite the good battle with, uh, for bell to get into third place and 
they did a good job on pit road to get him out third and he just his car just took off at the end so it was great research form oh yeah phenomenal research restart so it wasn't like you know people like oh this guy came out of nowhere oh, he had one of the fastest cars he just didn't necessarily have the positioning until later on and and he took full advantage of it i mean that was denny's issue was his car was just not great for the first three laps and then he'd hook up and he'd be you know really fast and so if he could maintain the lead for those first three laps he was he was set for the next 40 at least and uh it, he would have been able to set sail but because of those, uh, the tire pressures taking a little while to get up. Uh, the 48 took the lead, but I don't know. I, I, I wonder what were what are your expectations coming into the Richmond race? They're the same every year, and they always get uh, crushed. <laughs> um, I was expecting just you know, being that it's a day race, we haven't seen a day race at Richmond since 2017. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. something like that and so i was expecting maybe something a little a little different with uh the tire fall off and being a bit maybe slick racetrack because it wasn't at night so i was expecting just more i don't know just more bumping and grinding just kind of like you know like like martinsville i think that maybe is the problem that we see this true to form short track racing at martinsville and then we go to a quote another short track the, the week after and you don't get a similar result a similar product and so that's probably the letdown i think maybe for 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 many people uh so that's kind of what i was expecting i mean i wasn't surprised that denny was dominating that's kind of his um fashion so far this year is to be up front at every track um (laughs) (laughs) but my my one benefit of the doubt and like my one hope is that maybe the racing was better if you were there I mean, that's kind of an obvious answer for anywhere, probably, because it's already live in person. But maybe there's more battles happening on the track than what they were showing on TV. Kind of like what you see at New Hampshire, possibly Phoenix. Uh, but those of the the guys that I know that were there, um, talking about spotters, they um, the guys on DBC, they were saying that it, it wasn't that great. Um, Probably they're biased one way or another because one is spotter for Joey Logano didn't turn out so well, and the other spotters for Bubba Wallace and wish that race never happened for Bubba. Uh, so th- yeah, what happened with him? I didn't. I don't remember. I don't know. I haven't him. haven't been able to follow up <laughs> on it. The the highest I saw him was nineteenth on a um, pit cycle. But I mean, how my Sunday was set up was uh, I never get to watch an F one race live, and I always look forward to being able to watch it once i get home from church and uh so i had that on my computer listening to that and then i had the race on tv on mute just kind of peering over at the race because the f1 race was way more exciting than the cup race and uh, unfortunately like i said earlier couldn't watch the indy race because it was could i wasn't able to watch all three at the same time so much time in the day (laughs) honestly eyes (laughs) and we were getting ready to go to memphis and it was this whole thing i was like okay i just need to I want to get. I want to watch the F one race, and then uh, the, I can figure out the Cup race after that, which was nice because once I finished watching the F one race, uh, <clears throat> Harvick had just blown his tire, and we were coming to a final restart with eleven laps to go, or whatever it was. So all to say, I was just, I don't know, I was just disappointed in, in the product at Richmond. I don't know what's going to fix it. I don't know if it's the new car. I don't know if these, you know. Week in, week out, was this car too easy to drive? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. See, I I came into this race with kind of the opposite set of uh, expectations, where I was expecting this race to be a complete and total bore fest, and instead found myself enthralled, I would say, with the entire race. Okay. For a couple different reasons. The first off was I get home, and that right as the, the pit cycle decisions are being made for that second stage, and the call that Jeremy Bolins and the the two team of Brad Kozlowski made to try and stay out and do it all on just the one pit stop instead of everybody else pitting for tires twice, I believe. Was that what it was or one? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. And and so whichever the the, desi- the decision to not pit with everybody else and to stay out and the two made that strategy and so did the 12. And it was interesting because it starts off with a wow, this is a this is a bold move to see if they can maybe steal 
a stage win or even if Denny's really fast. So maybe a second place finish to improve where they were at compared to, you know, running around in fourth. And then as the run's going on, it becomes, will he even be better than fourth place or will he be worse than fourth place? Then it became, is he going to be able to hold on for stage points or not? Mm-hmm. And then it became, is he going to be able to stay on the lead lap? And then it became, is he going to be able to be in the lucky dog position? And it was no to every single one of those answers. And there was this kind of drama because I don't think anybody, at least the the play-by-play guys, all seemed to indicate when I started watching of, yeah, this probably won't work out for him to win the stage, but it should improve upon where he was, or at least he will settle back in where he was and he'll have an extra set of tires. It won't be a big deal. It might not work out for the 12 team that was doing the same strategy. And basically it ruined both of their days and neither team really recovered. I think that Kozlowski was able to get back on the lead lap by staying out before that last pit cycle but uh that you know he's finished like 11th or 12th or something like that so Mm -hmm. that made the second stage incredibly compelling plus there is something to the fact that it's so rare to see a car dominate to where there's so few cars on the lead lap these days that a part of me was really enjoying seeing just the 11 and 19 be so much better that you're looking at oh my goodness we might get down to we're down to eight cars on the lead lap or whatever it was there's a neat element to that for me and then that last 100 laps i thought was great where you had denny's car starting to go away from him and joey came back and took the lead with about 75 to go but then after the next pit cycle it flipped back to where joey's car was tight and he couldn't really drive off but Hamlin couldn't quite get around him and there was that great battle unfolding until finally he was able to to complete the pass and get by and stuff like that and so you had that compelling element which then set up the the really exciting ending thanks to Harvick's flat tire so on the whole I thought it was one of the better Richmond races I've seen recently but I don't think it's part of that is I don't have the memories you have of Richmond from years ago that's fair that's fair I mean I grew up going to the Xfinity race, nationwide race, Bush race, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, for right. years and years and years and years. Uh, Harley, I think I've only been to less than 10 cup races at Richmond. We just never went. Um, traffic was always a nightmare getting out of there, so my parents never wanted to deal with it. So my biggest memories are, are the um, Xfinity races, and those were always really entertaining. Guys would always, you know, like, without without a doubt would always back it into the fence one way or another, you know, whether it be in the center of one and two or whether exit of four or something like that, just really racing the car and the track. And it was like, you know, always, usually, and always an exciting race. Um, well, I'll say always S- seven out of 10 races were, I mean, that's, a, I feel like a fair, good percentage um, of an exciting Xfinity race. And because uh, it was shorter, and it just just produced really good racing. And that was when the uh, it was before the track got repaved, however many years ago it was. And instead of um, to take care of the track for a year in year out, they were always resealing the the pavement. They weren't putting fresh asphalt on; they were putting fresh sealer on, which to me was making it you know super slick. And that was producing really good racing. I've never heard anyone say that's the case. That's why it. It, it was better back then, uh, but it just that was the, that's when I saw the transition from being Richmond the action track to Richmond not so action track. It just the product just seemed better then, and I'm not trying to sound like an old fart like oh remember the old times you know it's just not the same as it as it was, um, which really sucks. I I, I really like Richmond. I I always looked forward to going there twice a year. You know. Most of the time, um, dad would pull me out of school early. We'd go up to the track. Um, there's a McDonald's right across the street of the track. We always got McDonald's and then took it back inside and, and you know, eat that and tailgate. And then the, the whole fan zone area was massive. I mean, it was huge. And you, you'd spend two, three hours in there. And so, yeah, all to say, it was very nostalgic. And, and I feel like the product that I got, when I was younger, is just not there as much. So that's all the always always the letdown, and it's it's almost one of those races that I don't mind having to miss on TV or live. Like I'm just like eh, whatever. So yeah, that's Richmond. 
yeah, so, you know, it was on the whole, Richmond was, it was fine. Ready for Talladega. I am so ready for Talladega. I wish I could mm-hmm. go. Same. Uh, I'd love to go there someday. It's only three and a half hours away from me, but we're going to Texas. We got two shows in Texas, and we get back early Sunday morning. I was like, I don't have enough time to get from here <laughs> to there. They'd already be started anyway. Uh, so, um, anything else you want to tap on the cup side? Uh, not really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like you said, I don't have much to add with trucks cause I was at a birthday party and didn't get to see the race. Yeah. But awesome for John Hunter. Uh, he's, you know, he's not only is he winning, but he's, he's beaten Kyle Bush at doing it. Right. And both his wins. So impressive for him. Uh, definitely think the next, I mean, it, it make it would make sense for him to get a an Xfinity ride next year or even a possible cup return. Um, but I think he seems like he's realizing, okay, let me reset, go win at trucks, yeah. get a good Xfinity ride, go win in the Xfinity and then get a try and get a good cup ride. So uh hopefully see that continuing to progress. Uh just really impressive for KB Motorsports to finish first, second, and fourth. And Kyle said they all tried three completely different setups. Wow. And still brought it home one, two, four. So that's pretty good solid. For, good for them because there was a point there where I thought KB was going to shut that whole thing down. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so good for them. Um, that's kind of all NASCAR. Yeah, like Josh said, we got Talladega coming up this weekend. Who's uh, who's your pick to win at Talladega? Because <sighs> there's literally 30-something cars that could win. <laughs> Let's go Matt D. Okay. Okay. I'm going with a. I'm I'm feeling a Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Nice win. He's nice. been good all year, so I I say he uh, he he keeps that streak going of <laughs> so many different winners. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Where do you think Byron finishes? Uh, let's say he wrecked in the first uh, Daytona race, so we'll go the opposite. We'll say. He gets caught up in a wreck, but is still able to race and finishes 16th. Nice. I think Bubba's going to finish top five. That's, Solid. That's, it's more hopeful than I think. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's it could happen. You can, and you can pick any number between one and 40, and there is an equal chance of uh-huh. that position happening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I can't imagine putting money on a Talladega or Daytona race. Uh-uh. Ugh. Not even. Or any race this year, really. Eight, eight different winners this year. Yeah, and I don't think I've really been close with any of my predictions. No, no. The best I got was last week with uh, I said Denny was going to finish second, but I said uh, Blaney was going to win, and he finished like eleventh. Right. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I'm sure we'll hit that stretch of uh, of uh, road courses where Chase Elliott will win. I'm sure. But, oh yeah. Then all the Hendrick <laughs> boys are in the in the playoffs. Right. But. It's just been a fun, impressive year. It has. Eight different winners in nine races, and none of them are Denny Hamlin, Brad Kozlowski, Kevin Harvick, uh, Kyle Busch. Chase Elliott. (laughs) Chase Elliott. None of those guys have won. That's incredible. Um, But nothing, I mean, you you can't take anything away from how dominant Denny Hamlin's been. I mean, eight, nine races, eight top fives, and the one race he doesn't have a top five in – was an 11th at Homestead where he had a speeding penalty on his final pit stop. Otherwise, uh, he'd be looking at nine straight top five finishes. That's incredible. Yep. Incredible. Yep. So Sick. Well, that's uh, all the stuff about cars going around in circles. Let's move to guys going around in lefts and rights. Lefts and rights. Lefts and rights. <laughs> that's gonna call, the segment's called lefts and rights. That's actually not a bad idea. Um <laughs> F1 has returned after three weeks. They went back to the narrow racetrack of Imola out in Italy for the... It did I'm not, not gonna, disappoint. It did not. I would try to pronounce the title of the race, but I'd butcher it. So I will not. It's called Imola. Imola, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's fantastic race. It started out, um, everyone's on wet tires, whether it be intermediates or, or full wets. And uh, anytime there is rain in the forecast or it's currently happening, all bets are off on who's going to win and what's and what's going to happen. But what an incredible race. Um, Not I wouldn't say dominated by I mean, I say not dominated. 
Max dominated, but he it wasn't a sure bet that he was going to win the race at all. Um, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it yet, Max won the race. <laughs> um, and it, it, the race once again proved how incredible Lewis Hamilton is, like we needed any more evidence of that coming back. Uh, recovering after a very strange uh i want to call it wreck but going off track and breaking his front nose and methodically backing up his car through this i have never seen someone go so gingerly and like gather their thoughts like and i'm sure this is what he did like gather his thoughts that okay what do i need to do and just slowly back that car up and get it back on track, go into the pits, get fresh tires, get a fresh wing, uh, fresh nose, and just plow through the field to come home with a second place win. I mean, he came up with the radio and he goes, sorry guys, like that's my fault. And Bono, without letting Lewis finish the thought, he's, he's like, um, like, no worries, mate, or something like that. Like so nonchalant, like, oh, it's fine, don't worry about it. Like, we'll recover. No, no problem at all. And they did. They came home with second place win. I think if you gave Lewis, I don't know, Max had a pretty commanding lead at that point. I think it was like 16 seconds or something like that. But, I mean, five, ten more laps, he probably would have been up on Max in no time. Um, uh, so, super great race. McLaren finishing third with Lando Norris and uh, Ricardo finishing sixth. So, that was a great day for McLaren. I was very excited to see that. Uh Danny couldn't find the speed that he needed. He was about a second. His uh, um, comparing fastest laps, he was about a second and a half, a second and a half off of Lando. So they need to find some speed there. <clears throat> they had an issue with tires. He wasn't. He wasn't happy with the. They were on softs for such a long stint that he basically was just nursing them back to the finish line. Um. Yeah, and George Russell once again can't did not close the deal on getting a points paying race. Yeah, I mean, I I put the blame more on um Yes. You know, the guy he wrecked with. Valtteri. <laughs> Valtteri, yeah. I'm like the like Hamilton's teammate was all that was going through my mind right there. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. yeah, yeah, Valtteri kind of went wide just a little bit, didn't give didn't give uh, George the lane and George went off track and spun and ultimately Ruined both their days and took the wind out of Valtteri. Did you see that? Oh, did it? I did yeah, not. Yeah, after uh, they kind of like, they came side by side. George hit the grass and spun and basically went nose first into the side of Valtteri and uh, launched Valtteri into the wall pretty hard. Both of them hit the wall pretty hard and Valtteri lost, lost his breath for a minute there. He got out of the car and just kind of um, knelt down for five minutes or so, just gathering his thoughts and gathering his breath um shook him up pretty good uh i really i really don't know what's going to happen with valtteri at the end of this year i don't see him resigning with mercedes i don't yeah i could see a mutual moving on yeah i see i see i see george moving into that spot yeah yeah i think so i think he's uh definitely has the the feel of being the heir apparent there yeah so especially with Lewis, I mean, you don't know how much longer he's he's planning on. He's he's taking it year to year right now, I know. Mm-hmm. So he could be around for a bit longer. He might not be. It's just kind of he can do what he wants, honestly. He really can. <laughs> I mean, he's got his own racing series that he started, the um, e, like the E-Extreme series. It's the off-road electric uh, cars that race in the mm-hmm. desert. Have you seen that? I've just heard about it. I haven't seen it. It's quite cool. It's yeah. like, wow, batteries are amazing <laughs> and the power <laughs> they produce. Um, so there's that. And, uh, yeah, my buddy had a good point about about Merce, the team Mercedes. He was like, yeah, I think George will go over to Mercedes, and I think eventually Lando will end up at Mercedes. I thought that was a very be, bold prediction, but that would be that'd a be fire. Awesome combo. Yeah, that would be fire. I would probably cheer for Mercedes at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Yeah, that happened, and like I said, the podium ended up being Max, Lewis, and Lando in those in that respective order. But the big news that really came out of the weekend was the U.S. gained another Grand Prix taking place on the streets 
of Miami around the Hard Rock Stadium where the Dolphins play football. Uh, pretty cool racetrack. Have you seen the layout? I I've seen the I haven't seen the like layout from a, a satellite view, but I've seen the layout from a just kind of the outline of the speedway, mm-hmm. and it definitely looks like it'll make for some good racing, some good passing zones, uh, hopefully. So I mean, you can sometimes it's hard to predict right. <laughs> what actually will and won't be a passing zone, but definitely sets up for what could be a, a pretty a pretty sweet race to be able to watch. It'll be nice to have a second another race in our time zone which makes it a bit easier to yeah watch a sunday afternoon race yeah so i so what are your thoughts i mean it's a 10-year deal and it just it feels like it's set up to eventually because you know f1's constantly changing their schedule i have a, i feel like four years from now it's going to be miami's going to be the the american grand prix and coda yeah i saw a tweet i think adam stern retweeted it that the um the ceo of of liberty uh, television or whatever it is the guys that basically own f1 uh and then their and um uh broadcast it said that there there isn't much of an audience or the odd the texas audience has not uh, come through fruition of what they thought it was going to be, which I was like, mm, are you watching the same race I am? <laughs> uh, it's shocking. I mean, and so, so yeah, that was, that was my big thing. When this was announced, I was like, crap, Coda is gone, which is, it's got, it's gotta be in the, in there somewhere. Like you said, like within, I think four years is a, is a generous length of time to, to say when Coda won't be there. I would say two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just it just sucks because Coda is such a fun track. It's fun to go to, and not and not saying Miami won't be fun, but um, Austin, the city of Austin, is incredible. Uh, it's like a big, it's a bigger Nashville. It's just so fun, and I mean, you can say the word trendy, whatever the buzzword is. Um, and the track is not far from the outside of town. Um, yeah, it. it that that's what made me bummed about it. I mean, it is exciting that uh, F one is still wanting to stay in America. That is really cool, and like you said, in this time zone, Miami is not far away. It's a plane right away. That's how I kind of feel about anything. <laughs> um, so, uh, so a fresh track is really cool, but uh, yeah, Coda is just very unique, and it's a shame to, to see it go if it goes away. Yeah, I mean, at least it. Hopefully, it becomes a solid NASCAR and IndyCar track, yeah. so that you know it's not just doesn't just become a wasteland, mm-hmm. and you know they can keep it. It's it's such a beautiful track. It's so pretty, yeah. yeah. And then and you would hate to see an episode of Lost Speedways featuring Circuit of the Americas like that would right. suck. <laughs> and somewhere above there, there's still a airplane doing flips and gliding. Um, oh, somewhere. There's a that's a deep reference to a dude perfect video. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> what is really cool about Coda is when you're flying into Austin, you fly right over it. And really? It is amazing. Yeah. When when we were flying in to Austin for the Grand Prix a few years ago, I didn't know that we were gonna be flying right over the track, and I'm just kind of looking out the window, and it was a cloudy day. And um, we get just below the clouds, and all of a sudden, boom, there's Coda. Like, there's turn one, there's the the paddock, the whole nine. And I was like, oh, wow, it's so cool. <laughs> uh, so I really hope that it does become something great. Even, I mean, if F1's not there yet, it'd be great if Cup, Cup stays there. I would definitely try to make you know make the trip back down for a Cup race. I kind of would, I mean, that would be a really cool weekend for a doubleheader. For indie for IndyCar and the Cup Series, why yeah. not? That would be very fun. Yep, I'd go to that. Um, so yeah, all that to say, F1 will be in Miami next year. Mm-hmm. Pretty sweet. So. It's the Bikini Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> the Bikini Bottom Grand Prix. There you go. <laughs> 
All right, well, so we move on to our play on yellow card, red card. Let's do it. Session for the day. All right, play on yellow card, red card. I will throw some things out there that's going on in the sports world or some opinion thoughts. And Nick, if he agrees with it, we'll give it a play on. If he is conflicted, a yellow card. And if he dislikes it, a red card. Uh, so first up, following last week's play on yellow card, red card, Jennifer Joe Cobb does not get approval to race at Talladega in the cup race. What? Yeah, they said that. Because she hasn't been racing in the series as much recently and doesn't have her, her she doesn't didn't fit the criteria of what's needed to race a super speedway in Cup. Uh, yellow card. I mean, I don't know. I feel like guys with less experience than her race at Talladega. Have you ever heard of the ARCA series? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I give it a yellow card. What do you give that? Uh, I, I think. Uh, I, it's a red card for me just because she has so much experience racing in in the trucks and Xfinity series and has you know done plenty of truck racing at Talladega and it's slightly different like last year James Davison was going to make his cup debut at Talladega and also didn't meet it but for him there's a bit more of a okay he hasn't run as much in this style of car or series where Jennifer Jokop has in the truck series over the years she just hasn't she's raced at Talladega 11 times between those two series um, has over 200 starts it's just that she hasn't raced there as much as frequently so it's it's kind of a I don't know the fact that Quinn Hoff is able to race there fair she's not it just comes back to I mean he even almost ruined that race for both oh uh, he wouldn't get out of the way (laughs) and Denny last week it's like dude what are you doing (laughs) just just Stay up high and out of the way, and you almost wrecked them both. So, I don't know. That's the thing for me that comes back and I'm like, really? Really? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, next, over to hockey. Patrick Marlowe passes the great Gordie Howe for the most NHL games played. Oh, man. How many games is that? Uh, it was 1,784, I think. Play on. That's pretty incredible. I mean, Gordie Howe will always be Gordie Howe, but... <laughs> right. Um, seventeen hundred and sixty-eight. Gravy. New record. <laughs> he started playing in nineteen ninety-seven. How say, old were you in ninety-seven? I was nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's when he started playing. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's wild. Absolutely wild. Uh, there's a really some, you know, congratulations videos out there. And there's there's a rather silly one with the Toronto Maple Leafs where his longtime t- teammate, Joe Thornton, um, it is edited or they put the things over it. But he he appears in the background without any clothes on. And it's rather humorous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but there's a uh, so, I mean, that's an incredibly impressive feat for mm-hmm. him um sticking with hockey the ontario hockey league has completely canceled its season and the canadian hockey league which is kind of like the umbrella league of all the junior hockey in canada has canceled the memorial cup for this season um which is where so many junior prospects that are going into a draft year kind of get watched and decided to Red card, man. I, not to get too political because that's not what we talk about on here. But uh, Ontario's prime minister, whatever dude, is insane. Like he's basically shutting down that part of the country again. Mm-hmm. And the the rules are unreal. And it's like, bro, we're we're getting tour updates down here. We've got hardcore shows, hardcore festivals are being announced, and <laughs> I got three today. Um. Right. Like, homie, no, stop this. <laughs> and, and the OHL was going to go through all these steps of, like, kind of creating a bubble system to, like, like having these hub cities, and they'd go into the hub, they'd be a bubble, they'd play their games, and they'd take a couple weeks off. It was a really fairly good format, and you got these kids that are trying to get, you know, they're in their draft year. It's a really important time for them, um, and it, it was canceled. So that's, uh, that's disappointing for the players, um, for sure, and... Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't impact their development as hockey players yeah. too much. But it's a it's a tough time. Um, finally, Steph Curry is the most exciting player in the NBA. 
Um, so what I mean by that is think about he is the player that how when's the last time you watched an NBA game, Nick? Oh. Full NBA actually. I watched a whole second half at the Raleigh Airport when <laughs> way after Lou and I met you and yeah. had lunch. They had it on, and I I can't remember what game it was. Um, and so, I was actually into it. So yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so what I mean with this question is, if you are scrolling through the TV and you see that Steph Curry is playing, he is the player that will most make you want to go. I'm gonna watch this game. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. He is uh, incredible, and right now he's on an absolute tear of like 10 straight games with 30 or more points, uh, which is the the most for somebody over the age of 33. Uh, and so That's it's, it's been impressive. Last night he went off for 49 points, and his team's bad. <laughs> like, yeah, they're not great this year. I did see that. No. Yeah, they're fighting for a playoff spot. And it's a, which talk about, you want to hear about a bad system. The NBA playoff system is dumb this year. So they're having two play-in rounds for each division between the seven and the 10 seed. So if you heard that, normally you'd be like, okay, so the seven seed plays the 10 and the eight seed plays the nine and the winners make the playoffs. But that's not how the NBA is doing it. They're having the seven seed play the eight seed and then the nine seed play the 10 seed and the winners make the playoffs. What? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's really no. What's the point? I don't know. It's better to be a nine seed than an eight seed. Yeah. Like, what the heck? Zero sense. Zero sense. Oh my god. It's gonna be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Um, but that's it for our play on yellow card, red card. Uh, but yeah, Steph Curry's just—he's so much fun. He's so fun. Even on like war- like the warm-up videos you see, just how far can I go without missing a shot? <laughs> Well, this brings us, hopefully you got time, <laughs> this brings us to uh, the world of soccer, not just the Premier League. Um, news is, is coming out at the minute, Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly. Uh, and what we're talking about is this, is the Super League that has been proposed uh, as of Sunday night, and it's probably going to die within the next 36 hours, if I had to put money somewhere it may be dead within the next like five hours yeah uh my tour manager just texted me he's a big liverpool fan he we were going back and forth all day and he just texted me he goes apparently they're calling it all off Yep. (laughs) so i'm trying to catch up on all that um josh you want to explain the super league in a few short uh essays (laughs) yeah so so basically you have in in European football, you have what's known as the Champions League, as we've explained, and you have domestic leagues. And so the domestic league is you play other teams within your country. And so like in England, you have the Premier League, and then below that is the Championship, and then Football League 1 and Football League 2, and those are the different leagues, and you can be relegated up and down. And so within that, the the winners of the top four for the for the Premier League automatically make the Champions League, and they go on to play other teams in europe so in a tournament style in a tournament style and that happens through midweek games and so a part of that is in england or in europe there are some clubs that are way more popular on the world stage than others case in point soccer in america has been growing in popularity and it's finally kind of like arrived in the last few years to where it's it's discussed about on local sports radio not ironically anymore like I listened to sports radio yesterday in Raleigh and Buffalo and all these different places, and they're all talking about the Super League stuff. So wow. it's finally, you know, reached a level where it's being discussed and not like, why are we, we're going to talk about soccer because it's the World Cup and America's playing. For some reason, we have to, but we don't care. It's moved beyond that now where there's legit sports talk in America and stuff. But back in the 90s, when there wasn't any of that, there was still like, People wore Man United jerseys and Chelsea jerseys and mm-hmm. Liverpool jerseys and because these clubs were so much made more so much more financially, and so there's this was this desire amongst those clubs to being so popular they wanted to continue to be able to develop their brand more, and a part of that is to 
be at the top of the world standards, which means playing in the Champions League. However, they did the math in the Premier League and realized, okay, we have these big six teams that are financially so much more higher than everybody else, but only four teams get in the Champions League. Therefore, two of us big six are missing out each time at least, or, you know, three or four if it sticks like it is this this year and West Ham and Leicester City break their way in. And so what they wanted was to create a system where they were financially able to um, be committed to utilizing their brand to continually make money. And so what that meant was creating this super league where it basically steps away from the Champions League and puts them at this own level of, okay, we are creating our own league that's amongst us big teams where we can kind of control things financially. We can control that because one thing that needs to be noted through all of this is FIFA and UEFA are extremely corrupt as well. Oh, sure. And so you have, you have basically two organizations that are trying to look out for their best interests financially. And so their philosophy was, especially since the champions league does not pay out very much money. I mean, comparably compared to how much it takes in. And so they're trying to, A, increase that, but also this desire to increase the competition because there's this reality that, you know, the best club in uh, in England or the best clubs in Scotland – or not Scotland – in um, Germany or Spain or these other places. Italy, yeah. Italy, their level of competition isn't as high when they're playing the winners of the league in Czech Republic, you know? Sure. And so you get plenty of these games and even the champions leagues where it's like, okay, neither one of the, you look at the bracket and go, okay, we're going to have this really cool game between Barcelona and man United, but the two other teams that are playing, they're going to beat five, nothing both times. And they're going to be right. the teams that advance. So the idea, that's kind of the, the way they're structuring this is a, this gives us a financial element where we know that we as the big clubs are continuing to utilize our brand to maximize our profits. Um, B, it in theory allows the competition to be a bit higher, although one of the teams getting in would be like Arsenal, who hasn't been good in a while, yeah. and Tottenham, who hasn't won their league since 1961. Um, <laughs> and so... But within that, there is a lot of it was the financial aspect where like being in the Champions League, you get, I believe it's one hundred million dollars. But by being in the Super League, you'd be starting at like four hundred million dollars, even for being a bad team. Um, And so part of this idea was this element of wanting to make up for a lot of the losses they've had. Um, Really, ultimately, what I think this always was, was a ploy to get UEFA to cave and give them more money. Um, but if they didn't, then you could create this whole other league. And it's not the first time that's happened. The Premier League started in a very similar way, where the Premier League was looking at the top clubs of England saying, hey, we're like at the top. We make should make more money and be able to like create our own system of bringing TV revenue and different things like that. And so ultimately, the Premier League became a fourth division of Europe, of English football, which was still a part of English football, but separate on the financial side of things right. so that they could sell their own TV deals and um, have their own merchandising rights and all this different stuff and make much more money. So that's kind of the mindset of what was happening Ultimately, this has a couple of different effects, though. First off, the clubs it really affects is a lot of the smaller league teams because there would be that trickle-down effect financially where part of what was getting earned by Chelsea and Liverpool and Man City and Man United, some of that works its way down to the younger clubs, allowing them to have some financial income as well so that they can fight to be competitive and to try and get promoted up and things like that, um, or even just to stay alive. And so what, but then ultimately what this was seen by people was a chance, an opportunity to skip a merit based system, which is what we currently have where you get in on merit by merit, you get promoted. And if you don't have the merit to stay up, you get relegated, which is literally foreign to the American (laughs) sports thought. Right. It's not understood, but those of us who have been in it for a while love it. Right. Most of us. And uh, and so they went with this system, and what they did not anticipate was how vehemently – they understood that fans would hate it, like, amongst the world, but they didn't realize how vehemently their own fans would hate it. And that's why they're starting to, uh, to back out. Mm-hmm. What did you say? That's a, a fair – 
I think that was great. That was great. That was great. Um, I was I I had uh, posted something on Instagram. I was, I was kind of on rapid fire with reposting things from Men and Blazers and and a few other teams and Arlo White and of of their thoughts. And a buddy of mine asked me like, "Why is this a bad thing?" And he doesn't like he literally doesn't know. Um, so I had to explain to him. I was like, "In short." Everything basically you just said within like within like a few fewer words, but it was really hard for me to to like really say it quickly because there's just so much in it. But he so we were going back and forth, and the end of the conversation was, I was like, he's like, all right, he's like, I get it, like that makes sense. I was like, okay, good because I thought I was just typing and I didn't even know what I was saying myself. And he said, basically, money hungry people want to ruin it for everyone. I said, nailed it. Yes, that's yep. exactly, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, yep. Because City does not need no more money. They are owned by a Saudi Arabian prince who owns the oil for the world. Basically, that's the generalization of it. And Liverpool's fine. Like all these top teams are are actually fine financially. But the big thing you made a note of it. Like, is this because of Americans? Like, is this happening because of Americans? And I'm guessing your thought with that thought was we have these closed leagues nfl nba nhl mls you name it except well not as much mls but basically mls of like you're in this league you're always going to be in this league there's no chance you're going to be out of this league unless someone buys you out or you fold which we've seen happen but more or less doesn't really happen um and that's like this american template of sport and that's fine for here we're used to it. We've done it forever. But that's not what world soccer is. And that's what it feels like is being the threat of, hey, we're going to have this American idea. And no one likes America outside of America, really. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, there is something to be said about the security of your investment. You know yeah. that. And it's 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 funny because there's there's the two warring sides of me going on with this mm-hmm. or i'm like look these are private clubs that have the right to do what they want to do with their 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 teams and they're allowed to do this yeah and fifa is an organization that has the right to ban them mm-hmm. um but then there's also the part of me that's like you should get to where you're going based off of merit based off of what your yeah. team does how it performs and stuff like that yeah and so ultimately you know i'm glad that it's it's going to fold and there's certain teams too like it's been interesting learning about like Germany's system where Germany has this uh, fans own more than own, own 51% of the team. Oh, and wow. The private investment companies can't own more than 49%. So they can't do something like this. That's why wow. you haven't seen the Borussia Dortmunds or those teams join. There's also other teams that were, so from the sound of things, Manchester city was like, we don't want to do this. But at the same time, Manchester City knew if this is going to happen, we can't be left behind. Yeah. Which, you know, you can't really blame them for. No. So so that was kind of the warning thing that's going to happen. But this is something that we're seeing the power of social media and the fans and that they are they have really their reaction completely took, especially the English clubs, by complete shock. Oh, yeah. They are. Uh, so they are. It sounds like backtracking back walking everything pretty quickly and yeah looking at a looking like we will not have a super league at this time uh this is something that gets threatened every five to ten years and so this isn't the last time it'll happen i'm sure but this is the furthest something like this has gotten Uh in about really since the premier league and when the premier league happened it was not in an age of social media um, and it was not something we cared about here in the States. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I didn't know about it um, until, I don't know, t- three years ago. I was like, oh, I didn't know. I thought it was always been around. Right. You know, right. I, had, I had no idea. My first thought about the Super League was, the, the I guess if I had, like you said, like the two mindsets you have, the, the obviously I, I'm more for the merit one. But the other side of me was like, you could say this was the American side of, I mean – competition wise if you don't look of how the merit system is like if if that's not even a thing the super league isn't the worst thing as far as competition goes because you really will be having the top teams playing each other week in week out now that's exciting like that's that's really like that's i mean 
you're watching City and Barcelona play twice a year, guaranteed, and Real Madrid playing Man United and Juventus and like all these teams. Like that's really exciting. And and then <laughs> my one thought was, yeah, but the international what's it called? The International Champions Cup or what's that? What's the um the summer yeah. friendly they do when they go outside yeah, of Europe? The international Championship club yeah. championship. Like I've been to one of those games and it was fun. Championship yeah. Champions. So champion champions of champions. <laughs> like it was fun because they came to America to play at Nissan Stadium. Like that's pretty sick. But it didn't mean anything. And granted, you wouldn't have the the scrimmage, the friendly side of it if Super League were to be a thing. You would be fighting for something. But well, I don't I mean, know. That yeah. would also be a thing that would come from this is that there would not, there would no longer be this tying to a city per se, because Man City and Man United could go play a a, a champion a Super League team game in New York City, you know, and right. it, would, it would still get the eyes, it'd still sell out, it'd be, you know, there's this ability to go around. Uh, it also would be, you know, right now one of the things that's like. Why is Arsenal in this? You know, they're yeah. not, they're consistently finishing middle of the table the last couple of years. And this year, they're right now, they've been hanging out between ninth and 11th all year. But the thing is, the financial increase that they would see would, you know, would just increase the amount of buyability where you'd have the Super League would be buying all the best teams. Um, but then it brings up the other issues of, well, if FIFA's going to fight this by suspending players, they can't play international play anymore. All of a sudden, you're looking at Christian Pulisic in a position where it's like, well, I can either play in the best league in the world and get paid the maximum amount of money and show that I'm one of the best players in the world, or I can go play for a lesser league and play international soccer. Yeah. And it's that's one of those positions where I've put in, like, as much as I'd love for Pulisic to say, I'm not going to stay with Chelsea, I'm going to go play for Everton and play for us it just wouldn't make sense Mm -mm. from a practical standpoint like put yourself put yourself in that position do you want to make 400 or four hundred thousand dollars a week or do you want to make i don't know one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a week or something right or well fortunately it looks like there won't have to be any decisions made by a christian polisic moving forward as it's it's starting to crumble apart you had Jordan Henderson called a meeting of all the Premier League captains today, and he put out a statement earlier saying, we don't like it. We don't want it to happen. This is our collective position. Our commitment to the football club and its supporters is absolute and unconditional. You'll never walk alone. Uh, Manchester City has put out a statement saying that they have begun the process of leaving the European Super League. Um, So it is it is falling apart. so, you know, it's nice to have it lasted about as long as World War Three did in 2020. So, um, <laughs> wow, <laughs> it's uh, good to see, you know, I mean, it, it definitely had an effect globally. If uh-huh. That's what they were going for. They were successful. Um, but if their goal was to somehow get UEFA and FIFA into uh, softening up on some of their take and giving a bit more money to champions league clubs. Uh, that backfired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think, do you think this is going to pave the way for two more spots opened for the champions league in the premier league or I well, guess everywhere? The champions league was scheduled to announce changes to the champions league on Monday. And then all of this like happened. yesterday, Monday. Yes. Okay. And all of this happening kind of got, uh, thrown apart uh, it was basically it's called i believe the swedish option option and it expands the tournament slightly to from like 32 to 36 teams and creates like a different round robin system and uh basically none of the clubs really care for it and so a part of this seemed like a we don't like the direction it's going so maybe we can try and work this in a different way. I don't quite understand what that option is yet. I haven't spent too much time reading into the, the Swedish system, whatever it is, Yeah. but basically it was going to expand it slightly, but I mean, you still run into the problem of your, of England is really, I mean, there is a situation where you can have six, your premier league teams make it. Mm-hmm. For instance, if the, cause the top four automatically get a spot, but if 
one of the top four won the premier won the Champions League the year before, they get an automatic bid as well. And then if you win the Europa League, you get an automatic bid. So you can have this extreme scenario where one through four makes it in the Premier League, and then like the five seed won Europa and the six seed won the Champions League. Oh, jeez, <laughs> yeah. But the odds of that happening are, uh, I mean, astronomical. Yeah, <laughs> so, slim to none almost. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a, so I don't know. So, I mean, it was, hey, the world talked about soccer for a few days, so that's fun. That was um, nice, yeah. We, we established that these clubs are, uh, not, you know, it's kind of, I also often, it's, it's kind of like you, the noticeable difference. This is a, this is probably a really bad analogy, but all analogies break down at some point, but you have the difference in our town between Wendy's and Chick-fil-A where the Chick-fil-A is operated by an operator who is local, understands what's happening, has tons of employees. They care about getting people in and out of Chick-fil-A really quickly. And so it is there's always 50 cars in line and you still get through the line in like five minutes. Yeah. It's amazing where Wendy's is operated by somebody in like, I don't know, Dallas, Texas. (laughs) And they, all they care about is the bottom line. And so when I go to the Wendy's just across the street from the uh, Chick-fil-A here, if there are more than two people in line in front of me, I don't go because it's going to take at minimum 25 minutes. And it's not the fault of the people there working because they're having to do both drive through and the front and all this stuff. There's, there's just too much work for too few of people, but it's being run by distant investors who are all about the bottom line, not about having their store be the best it could be. Hmm. And so that's the key difference. And that's kind of what you're seeing here is that, um, you know, it's investors that aren't necessarily as connected to the club. It's not like you have a, it's not like the owners of Manchester city live in Manchester city. I mean, that's even true for some of the clubs that wouldn't be a part of this. I mean, Everton's owned by, you know, people in Dubai and stuff like that. And you're starting to have all these foreign investors that they care much more about their bottom line than they do about the team. And, um, which for a lot of these, teams is being brought forth it's like you know you guys as owners you're not like it's not like your franchise that you've bought and have the rights to do with you're just kind of like the people that are are in charge of this thing that's a lot older than you you know all these clubs have been around 120 plus years 150 years some of them you know it's like this is much bigger than just a fun fantasy league for you ultra billionaires that live right the Middle East or in own the Yankees and, or actually the Red Sox and the Liverpool, you know, Liverpool <laughs> and, uh, Ryan Newman and Chris Busher's car. Yeah. You know, oh gosh. It's, you know, uh, and I mean, there's, there's some cool elements to that. I mean, LeBron James owns part of Liverpool and, yeah. you know, small portions of it, but it's like, you know, these are clubs that mean a lot historically to a lot of these cities and, uh, they need to be, kind of treated that way mm-hmm. otherwise i mean james corden went on a six minute rant about it on his late night comedy show. did he really <laughs> you know? i'll look that yeah. up yeah and there's just it was you can kind of see the impact this was having for a lot of people and so uh awesome job by the fans and the uh um the players and the media and everybody involved being like hey we don't like this and you shouldn't do it and th- there you're going all right yeah, I wonder. I wonder if the guys of the, like these people of the Super League who want this to happen knew that this was going to be their spots ultimately, and just kind of wanted to put a feeler out there in the most dramatic way possible. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's probably possible. that's probably a stretch, like big stretch, but it's a thought. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because let's be honest, some of these people that are like have been talking about for the last few days about being really angry at their club, and rightfully so. Let's be honest, a year from now when this is kind of forgotten about, all those fans will be back because oh, yeah. your passion for your team runs a lot deeper yeah. than your anger at the owners. Yeah. Um, I had a so. buddy of mine tell me the other day, he and I went to the um, National SC uh, uh, home opener, which is super fun. Um, that goal the other day by Nashville. Dude, right? Oh, my goodness. The top right corner? Yeah. Free, the Beauty. whole place went nuts. <laughs> um, 
he's a United fan. My friend's a United fan. And he was like, dude, I'm almost thinking about dropping the colors and just not being a United fan anymore. Like, if this were to go through. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. dude. Like, that's that's a lot coming from you. Um, so, looks like, obviously, that's not going to happen. Um, but, yeah, it's just a very bizarre thing. Like you said, it was nice to hear the world. Uh, Dan Patrick interviewing Rebecca Lowe this morning <laughs> on the day, um, Dan Patrick show about the whole thing. Like that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the super league. That's the, what happened in soccer the last 36 hours. Yep. RIP and peace to the European super league, <laughs> April 18th, 2021 to April 20th, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> so, so true. Um, <laughs> men and blazers are so funny they're so good they're so spot on with everything they just tweeted for centuries Spurs fans will talk fondly of, of the two days they were members of the Super League <laughs> treasured memory that will be passed down generation to generation <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh why are they so clever who else do they have they working just, for them I don't I don't know it might it might just be the two guys Raj. Yeah. they're just so genius they're so um, smart they're so mm-hmm. funny we saw them live two years ago, last year. I don't. Did you? Two, yeah, we saw them here in town, Same. and then we we met them after the fact at a pub. Shook their hand. They're so funny. <laughs> They're so funny. They're great guys. Great, great guys. They love. They love interacting with everybody. It's really, really cool. Uh, I'm spent. Yes. Um, my rant ramble can wait till next week. Cool. cool. <laughs> I'll leave that in the notes. Uh, anything else you'd like to mention on this fine day? Not really. Uh, you know, All right. just uh, sports be doing sports stuff. And Sport, I sports be sports. It. There you go. Yep. Cool. Well, everyone, have a great week. Uh, with that, I'm Nick. And I'm Josh. And we'll talk to you guys later. Bye.